Thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. We are excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. It is our prayer that it is a blessing to you. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the message. First, we would love to connect with you. You can find us on Facebook at New Grace BC. Also, be sure to check out our website, reachingroanoke.com. There, you can find out more about who we are and where we are going as a church. Again, thank you for checking out our sermon here at New Grace. Please let us know of any questions you may have or any way that we can help you and your family. Enjoy the message. In Genesis chapter 29, starting in verse 15, the Bible says, And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Yeah, Parker's gonna, they're going to hand out these uh, sheets to you. I'm sorry. If you need any, uh, uh, some sermon notes, hold your hand up and they'll get it to you. And uh, the name of the younger was Leah, and, or was Rachel. And Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said... I Serve thee seven years, Rachel, thy younger daughter. Uh, imagine if you were to go into work tomorrow morning and there was a note on your desk or in your locker or wherever it is that you go to get things from your boss. And there was a note there from your boss saying, I need to see you in my office right away. Your first thought probably wouldn't be, oh boy, a raise. He's finally recognized how good of a worker I am. Typically, when you get a note from your boss like that, you're think, uh-oh, what did I do? Or what did he catch me doing? Or say you go to the doctor, and he's listening to your heart, and he goes, huh, that's interesting. You're not going to think, oh, he's, just, he's, he's excited about how strong I am. Then he says, well, we need to order some EKGs and a, a stretch test for you and you're thinking he just he just wants to prove how strong and healthy I am when things like that happen it causes insecurity in our life now they can they can bring doubt they can bring fear into our lives now us may not struggle with insecurity daily but a lot of people do a lot of people struggle with insecurity and not just insecurity over what's going to happen with my job or what's going to happen with my health, but insecurity over feeling unsuperior. Is that a word? Insuperior? Feeling less superior. That's a word. <laughs> inferior. Thank you, John. So you may have struggle with feelings inferior to other people or feeling not worthy of other things. And so Security is something that at least all of us struggle with from time to time. Now, for Leah, insecurity was something that she faced constantly. And so, of course, to understand her story, we've got to go back to the story of Esau and Jacob that we looked at a couple weeks ago. And, of course, Jacob's mom, he had deceived his father Isaac into giving him the birthright. And Esau was so mad that he told Jacob, as soon as I get the chance, I'm going to kill you. And it wasn't like an idle threat like brothers and sisters make. Like, I'm sure if you've got kids, face off, I'm going to kill you. They don't really. Esau looked at Jacob and said, I'm serious. As soon as I get the chance, you're dead. 
I said, Mommy, what do I do? Mommy said, go to Laban, go to my, my brother's house and work for him. So Jacob, fearing for his life, he fled to his uncle Laban's house. And of course, Laban was Rebekah's daughter. Now Laban, he had two daughters. Leah was the oldest and Rachel was the youngest. And the Bible says that Rachel was beautiful. 17, Leah was tender-eyed. But Rachel was well favored. Now the word tendered eye there literally means weak eyes, uh, which means she probably had a lady and she was all right. It's like she was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful. So the Bible says that that Jacob loved Rachel. It said you know, so it was she was very, less attractive than Rachel. And the verse the next verse says, and Jacob loved Rachel. Now imagine how Leah felt, always being compared younger, prettier sister, and then this new man shows up who's, who's a, he's a cousin, and during this time that meant he was a dating opportunity. Uh, they were very similar to West Virginia and Kentucky in that, in that, that way. But so a cousin shows up, and you think, ooh, a cousin, somebody I can marry. Yeah. And this, this new man who shows up completely ignores you, passes you right over, and falls head, and heel, head over heels in love with your younger sister, who everybody says is more prettier than you. So Jacob, he makes a deal with Laban, says, Laban, I'll work with you for seven years if you give me Rachel's hand in marriage. And so they make the deal, and Jacob puts in his work, and the seven years go by like it's nothing. And after seven years, he comes to Laban and says, Laban, I put in my time. Uh, now it's time to give me Rachel to be my wife. So they throw a party. Uh, everybody's happy. There's this wedding ceremony. And his, they, they have the wedding ceremony. And then they, they have the honeymoon night. Uh, but his wedded bliss is quickly gone when he wakes up the next morning and looks at his, his beautiful wife. And it's not Rachel. It's Leah. Laban had tricked Jacob into marrying Leah instead of Rachel. So Ra Jacob is furious. I don't want this woman. How, how do you think Leah felt? I don't want this woman. She's the ugly one. I want the pretty one. So Laban says, well, work us another seven years, and you can have Rachel. And he, he works the seven years, and then he finally gets to marry Rachel. But look what he says about Better that I give her to thee. That I should give her to another man, abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days, for the love he had for her. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, and I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place, and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah and his daughter, and brought her in unto him, and he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpath, his maid for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said unto Laban, What is this that thou hast done to me? Did I not serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore hast thou beguiled me? So he's tricked into marrying uh, Leah instead of Rachel. And then he works seven years and he, he gets what he wanted all along. But what about Leah? Imagine knowing your husband didn't want you. Your husband didn't love you. He was stuck with you because your dad thought you were so ugly, he had to trick some guy into marrying you. That, that's going to cause some severe insecurity issues. That's going to cause some severe problems in her life. Imagine the 
security that she had to deal with because of how everyone else treated her. So this evening, as we look at this story, we're going to see how to effectively fight against a spirit of insecurity and to live in the liberty of Christ, Christ's love. Number one, let's look at the foundations of insecurity, the foundations of insecurity. Now, like Leah, our insecurity, it has a source, but what, is the, what are some of the ways that insecurity finds its way into our heart? Well, number one, letter A there is fear. Fear. At its root, insecurity is rooted in fear. Fear of losing something. Fear of losing someone. Fear of being left out. When we struggle with insecurity, what we end up doing is we judge ourselves by what we do instead of who we are. It's kind of like a kid who, who gets a report card and they get straight A's on their report card. I mean, they are excited. Everyone's bragging on them. All my kid's an honor roll student. And they just feel great because they, they met the standard everyone has for them. But what about their brother who, you know, barely passed, got all D's and one C? He feels left out. He feels like he's not good enough. And so he feels like he didn't measure up. So when we are successful, we think we deserve love and acceptance because of what we do. But to God, what we do, the amount of money we make, the grades we make, the position we hold, the success we have, to God, what we do doesn't matter. God's love and God's acceptance for us is unconditional. It's unfathomably great. It is based on who we are as his children. It is based on who we are. In him, Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. As a Christian, no matter how far our, uh, you wander, he completely accepts you as his child. Now, there are consequences for our sins. You can't continue to live in sin and not suffer consequences. But one of the best stories of this, one of the best examples of this is the prodigal son. He left home, took his father's money and wasted it on a riotous living. And did he have fun? He had fun for a while, but then he started to suffer. He started to starve to death. He's feeding pigs. He, he is suffering because of his choices. And when he went home, you know what the father said? Serves you right. No, the father accepted him as if he'd never left. Said, my son was gone, but now he's back. That's how God's love is for us. God's acceptance for us is incredible. Your performance after you're saved and before you're saved, but your performance does not affect the amount of love that God gives to you. Jacob clearly loved Rachel more than Leah. And Leah, she drew her sense of security from Jacob, so she feared abandonment. She feared Jacob would, would get rid of her. As she learned, it's impossible to find security and peace when the source of your security is temporary. When, Je when Leah gave, first, uh, gave birth to her firstborn, so firstborn son, which was also Jacob's, she named him Reuben. Reuben in Hebrew literally means, see, I have a son. She thought that because she was able to give Jacob something Rachel couldn't, he would love her more. He would accept her more. 
In Genesis 29-32, And Leah conceived and bare a son and called his name Reuben, for she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. What a sad statement. Having a son just to, just to get your husband to love you. She thought that, that having a son would make Jacob notice her. Not because of who she was as a person, but because she was able to give him what he wanted. So one of the first foundation of insecurity is fear. Second one is the pressure to perform. The pressure to perform. Like Leah, maybe your insecurities have made you feel like you're on trial every day. Maybe you've placed so much pressure on yourself that you feel you have to do something incredible to gain acceptance and love from other people. You're plagued with the fear of making one mistake, and that means the loss of worth in the eyes of other people. Leah, she understood the pressure to perform. She desired to have kids, to continue having kids for Jacob, and not because she loved them, not because she wanted to be a mom, but because she was desperately trying to perform to earn Jacob's love. She was trapped in trying to stay ahead of the competition, and she could never win what she was trying to fight for. She was so desperate, she even later on in life, when she's unable to have children of her own, she gives her handmaid to Jacob so she can have kids for them. In Genesis 39, when Leah saw that she had left bearing, she took Zilpha, her maid, and gave her to Jacob to wife. She was so desperate to fill this need that she thought Jacob wanted that she was willing to do anything to, keep it, to get his attention and earn his love. Satan knows that if he can lay the foundation of our insecurities early in life, he's already won half the battle. You know, most adults, we, we consider the formative years, the things that reform good habits and bad. There are, that's childhood. When you're a child, you know, the old phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It goes to people, too. You can't teach old people to be decent. But you can train a child to have good manners. You ever met an adult that just has no manners whatsoever? You know why? Because they never learned it as a kid. They don't have respect because they never learned it as a kid. But if you can teach children in an early age to have respect and, and, and take pride in things, then they'll become good adults. So insecure people, they can typically trace their feelings of inadequacy back to being rejected earlier in their life. So pressure to perform. Third uh, foundation of our insecurity is comparison. Comparison. Comparing ourselves with other people. Leah's insecurity was rooted in her father's rejection. What if you knew your father thought so little of you, he had to trick someone into marrying you? In Genesis 29, 23, it says, And it came to pass in the evening, they took Leah's daughter and brought her to him, and he went in unto her, in verse 25, and it came to pass, and in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is thou hast thou, that thou hast done unto me? I, did I not serve thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? Imagine how that made Leah feel. She wasn't beautiful like Rachel. She knew that. Now her dad has just confirmed that he thought so too. He knew, I'm never going to marry her off, so I better, better trick somebody while I got the chance. Then Jacob's reaction didn't help her insecurity. And we make jokes about it. I've heard preachers in the past you know, make jokes about it, like Jacob wakes up in the morning and goes, ah! He's just got, and man, yeah, that's funny. But what if you're Leah and your husband, the guy who you, probably, you secretly love, and your dad did a trick to get to marry you, you think maybe he, wait, maybe he won't care. Maybe when he wakes up in the morning, 
and he sees me, he'll still love me and it won't matter. And then he's mad and screams and runs out. You're thinking, okay, well, I guess that didn't work. That's, that's not helping her insecurities. It reinforced her fears. It, he was clear that he not Leah. So knowing she wasn't accepted by her father and knowing she wasn't accepted by her husband deeply wounded her. Imagine what Leah felt every time she measured herself against her sister. You know, in the, the Bible, women were sadly treated more like property. They weren't considered partners with their husbands. So if they were abandoned, they had no choice but to return back home to their fathers. But Leah didn't have a choice because Laban obviously didn't want her either. So every time she saw Jacob and Rachel together, she probably feared that he would end up kicking her out. And so knowing Rachel was his favorite wife, Leah did whatever she needed to do to secure her position in the family. She had a son, then a second, then a third, then a fourth. They were her security for not being abandoned. She would throw that up into the face of Rachel all the time because Rachel for years couldn't have children. So this was a very bitter competition between these two women. Sure, Rachel was beautiful. Sure, Jacob loved Rachel more than she, he loved Leah, but Leah could have kids, and Rachel couldn't. So both of these women struggled with insecurity, and both of these women compared themselves with each other, and both of these women struggled with their relationship with each other because of these things. So Leah learned the hard way that you can never achieve security on your own. There's another foundation of our insecurity. Letter D there, the possibility of loss. The possibility of loss. We become the most susceptible to insecurity when we, there's something, we fear there is something that can be taken from us. We can lose a job. We can lose our health. We can lose our position in the family. We can lose the affection of a loved one. But what do we really have that can't be taken from us? Our health can be gone. Our health, you can lose your health no matter how much you exercise. You know, uh, I saw on Facebook yesterday uh, this little, quite a little quote there. said, uh, what is it, rabbits run, and they live about seven years. Dogs run, and they live about 15 years. Turtles don't do nothing, and they live 150 years. So why run? Why bother? Just be a turtle. <coughs> but you can exercise all you want to. You can be as healthy as you can be, and you can hit by a bus tomorrow. You can lose your health instantly. You can't permanently keep anything. You can't keep your spouse, your children, your job, your health, your money, your friends. Nothing that you have can be take, it cannot be taken from you. But there's one thing we will never lose. That's our relationship with our Heavenly Father. God said, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 23, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. When we make God our number one priority, our security will be built on the unshakable foundation of the only thing that can never be taken from us, our relationship with God the Father. So you see the foundation of insecurity. Number two, let's look at the consequences of insecurity, the consequences of insecurity. How many of y'all wear, wear glasses regularly or from time? Okay. You may have contacts now, but you wear glasses. You ever put on dirty glasses? And you can, you can, you can see, but not really. Everything's kind of fuzzy and hazy and not really clear. 
and so your, your sight is impaired. So you can see, but everything is cloudy and distorted. And so like a dirty pair of glasses, insecurity changes how we view the world. One of Satan's goals is to keep Christians from doing the work of God. And so one tool he uses frequently is insecurity because he knows if he can cloud our vision, he can have victory. So what are the consequences of insecurity? Well, the first consequence, let me there, is competition. We've already mentioned it, but there was an intense competition between Jacob's wives. Leah knew Rachel. Leah knew that he loved Rachel more, but she fought for his attention. Eventually, they get the children into it. One day, there are some mandrakes are found, and they're fighting over who gets to have the mandrakes because that would help them have children. And then Rachel, Leah stops having kids, so she gives him her handmaid, and then Rachel starts bearing children, but then she stops, and she gives Jacob his handmaid as well. And so there's this constant competition to get the affection of Jacob. Insecurity, it eventually turned into an attitude of jealousy toward Rachel. When we look at how she was treated by her dad and her husband, we, we can understand her feelings, but that doesn't justify her actions. We are not responsible for how people treat us, but we're responsible for how we react to the way people treat us. Rachel and Leah, they, they could have been good friends, but Leah's insecurity had put a wall between the two of them. And throughout this strange marriage, they were constantly competing with each other. Look what Rachel said when she was finally able to have a kid in Genesis 30, verse 8. And Rachel said, with great wrestlings, I have I wrestled with my sister, and I have prevailed. Their relationship was strained because of this insecurity and this jealousy between Relational problems, insecurity, it affects the way that we relate to each other. Remember the the root cause of insecurity is fear of loss. And so we find it hard to trust anyone because we look at them like they're, we're in competition with them, like Rachel did, like Leah did to Rachel. And we don't, when we don't think highly of ourselves, it's hard to think anyone else will think highly of us as well. So when someone treats us well, you're suspicious of what their true motives are, and that ruins relationships. Third consequence of insecurity is negativity. Everywhere we look, God has blessed us. But if our vision is clouded by insecurity, it's hard to focus on the goodness of God. If you're worried about what you don't have or what you might lose or how you've been mistreated, you can't enjoy the blessings that God has already sent your way. You may be battling negativity in your life. If you get something... It's never enough. If you don't have something, it's because the world is unfair. If a friend doesn't call you, it's because they're mad at you for some reason. The cure for negativity is praise. In her competition with Rachel, Leah was consumed with having more than Rachel. Her kids became her token of success. What if she had directed her attention at praising God for the healthy kids that he had blessed her with? What if she had directed her attention at praising God for how wonderful God had been to her? When we spend our time thinking about how good God has been to us, it's impossible to be negative. So number three, we want to look at not only consequence of insecurity, but freedom from insecurity. Freedom from insecurity. When your, your mind and emotions are struggling with insecurity, it seems like there's nothing that you can do 
to break the bond that they have on you. But God's Word teaches us how to overcome security. First way to come under insecurity, understand God's purpose. Understand God's purpose. Do you understand, do you know, do you realize that you are a designer original? God specifically created you and designed you just the way you are. God made you perfect in the way that he created you. He made you and gave you everything you need to be a success in his eyes. Psalms 139 tells us that God began to work in our lives when we were still in our mother's wombs. And Psalms 139 says, I will praise you, for I am faithfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and thy soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned. When I was yet there was none of them. How precious also were thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. What an amazing truth. God, in his infinite knowledge and wisdom, knows everything about you, and he has a special purpose for your life that he has specifically created you for. Remember, God made you exactly as he needed you. He didn't make you a mistake. You are perfect and perfectly suited for him. So when we start comparing ourselves to other people and say, oh, I wish I looked like her, I wish I could do this like them, we are saying, God, you messed up when you made me. And that's a lie of the devil. God made you specifically the way you are for his purpose. So remember, understand But Secondly, let it be there. Claim God's promises. Claim God's promises. Remember, insecurity comes when we fear losing something. The promise that God gives us is that we will never lose him. Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the care of God. No matter what we do or don't do, we will never lose God's love. We can claim that promise and let it rest in God's provision. God doesn't promise that he just won't ever leave us, but he also promises to provide for every single need we have all the time. We get insecure because God gives us our wants, but God always gives us our needs. Say, but I need a new car. No, you don't. If you need a new car, you know what you would have? A new car. I need to win a lottery. No, you don't. If you need a lottery, you know what you'd have? A bunch of relatives knock on your door, you know, out of the woodwork. You never win a lottery ticket. I need this. Everything you have. Because God promised to provide everything that you need. You can't find a greater source of security than the promise that God will supply every need that we have. God has already given us everything we need to get through life, all through His grace and His mercy. You know, no one gets through life feeling insecure at some time. We, we naturally crave acceptance from other people. But when we fear that acceptance can be taken away, our sense of security fades. When we realize our acceptance comes from Christ because of what he has done, 
insecurity is banished. You know, Leah, she struggled with insecurity for years. Her father didn't approve of her. Her husband didn't want her. Even her sister was in competition with her, but she finally found peace. So the names of her children. Every son she had was, look, God's giving me a son. Look, God's going to make my husband finally love me. He, she named them like names that prove that she was very insecure and very jealous of Rachel until she finally had her fourth, her fourth son, and she named him something different than all the rest. She named him Judah. Judah means praise. She realized her stability couldn't rest in people or things or accomplishments or circumstances. She decided to rely on God's plan and God's purpose for her life. And thousands of years later, through the line of Judah, a baby was born that would hang on a cross, die for mankind's sin, be buried in a grave, and raised three days later to save humanity. God's plan for Leah was greater than anything she could see. God's plan for your life is greater than anything you can see. Choose to trust His plan, to rest in His promises, and to praise Him for what He's doing in your life.